I got to remember they're kids, they're trying, and they're human. And just talking through something like the situation with other coaches is so helpful and beneficial to help change that perspective for you. Hello, and welcome to the Mental Sweet Spot podcast, where we share stories, tips, and advice for coaching the mental game of softball. I'm Melanie Rushing, and I'll be joined shortly by Alicia Smith and Wilma Wilson for the fourth installment of our series, Masterminding Our Way to Success. Today's topic is all about getting stuck in a rut and how to get out of it faster. Have you ever felt totally helpless? Your team's stuck in a rut and you just can't seem to get out of it? And no matter what you do, you just seem to dig your wheels further and further in? We've all been there. It's part of the game. There will always be muddy spots that we have to get out of. But just like your car gets stuck in the snow or mud, you can't just hit the gas. That's how you get stuck for good and then you'll need a tow. To get out of the rut faster, you actually have to slow down, take your foot off the gas for just a second, and then turn the wheel and ease yourself out. It's the same when dealing with struggles on the field. Today we discuss how to get out of that rut faster by dealing with the snowball effect that quickly becomes an avalanche, managing our expectations as coaches so we can stay on track, making minor adjustments to take the momentum back, never stopping coaching regardless of how bad it feels, and simplifying and refocusing on the little things instead of overanalyzing. Stick with us to the end for a coaching challenge that asks you to reflect a little bit deeper. But for now, let's get to the show. We're here with our fourth installment of our Masterminding Our Way to Success series. But success doesn't come easily, right, ladies? (laughs) So I want you guys to catch us up and tell us some of the stuff your team has been going through. Okay, so we started off um, last week. On Friday, we had a game. It was really cold. Um, we split a doubleheader. We faced a really good pitcher um, who is committed to the University of Michigan. And we got no hit by her. Uh, and then in the second game of the doubleheader, um, we faced their different pitchers and we won like 12 to 1. So it was tale of two games, tale of two pitchers, obviously, that we were facing. And then... Um, we had the weekend off cause it was prom. So we had the weekend off, which was kind of nice for everyone just to kind of get rested and things like that. So then yesterday we played another doubleheader, our first conference game. And I, I just don't know what it is about this field, but for whatever reason, <laughs> whenever we travel to this particular location, we just don't play well. And I, I don't talk about the curse. I call it a curse, like internally in my head, but I don't talk about it to my kids. This is kind of a funny joke, but anyway, um, we played, unbelievably Mm -hmm. awful. And I think it was just the fact that we had so many errors and we couldn't adjust to the second pitcher. We did hit the first pitcher really, really well and, and built a really big lead and then slow and slowly fell apart. And then we had one inning where we gave up like eight or nine runs and snowball doesn't really quantify. It was more like an avalanche. Like we just couldn't get an out to save our lives. And even when we had an easy out, it became a dropped ball or, and the wheels literally fell off. Um, the, the parts of the car were falling. I mean, it was just unreal. Like I haven't seen something like that in a really long time. <laughs> so the, the kids were really frustrated, but we had a second game. So we came back and the second game and kind of more of the same. Um, they got up first, but Uh, we ended up losing by two. We lost both games by two. And I think for me, like those are the situations where I'm normally just beside myself and losing it and 
not necessarily in control of my emotions as well. But I sat there pretty, pretty calm for the, for the most part, for the entire doubleheader. Um, I did let the frustration get to me once. Uh, I screamed across the field from the dugout at my shortstop who had thrown the ball wide of the third baseman and was probably the fourth or fifth throwing error from her that day. And I did pull her aside immediately after that inning was over and apologize to her personally and let her know that that was coming from a place of frustration from me. That wasn't meant for her like that. And I apologize because I don't do that. I don't yell at kids like that from the dugout and scream and yell like that. Um, and that was the only moment that I had a frustration. But as I'm sitting there talking to my assistant coach, we fully were aware that all of our frustration was pointed back at ourselves because we were frustrated that our team was performing that way because we take ownership of that. Um, and I know a lot of coaches feel the same. I'm sure Wilma does too. When your team is not playing well, you look at yourself and you say, what am I not doing right? Mm-hmm. What are we not practicing? Right. What do I need to change my practice? Do I need to, are we not mentally tough? What are, and all these things start going in your head. And I think that that's, um, natural to do in a, in a situation like that. And in the moment, but I think the biggest thing for me and Hannah and I did talk about it on the way home it was an away game. So we did drive together and we rode, we rode back home and we were talking a lot about, um, Hannah's my assistant, just about kind of the things that, that were happening. And, and these are the things that I told my kids also after the game, I was extremely proud of them because of through all of the crap and all of the drop balls and all of the hard hits and all of the strikeouts. They never stopped cheering the dugout. They fought through 14 innings. Um, they never quit. They had great communication. They did a great job. I felt of letting go of mistakes. Um, they continued to support each other. They live their culture. And when all of these things that I, and I asked them that today, you know, we started off today in practice as kind of playing a fun game. And I asked them now that emotion, like set emotions aside, what are all the positive things that happened yesterday? And they said all of those same things. They recognized them. They felt it. Um, and I, I really hammered home all of those positive things because I said, you know what, guys, regardless of outcome, regardless if you made the throw or you bobbled the ball or you struck out or you hit a home run, you were able to maintain your composure. You were maybe able to continue to fight through. Um, and you let go of all of the things that happened on the field. You were still smiling. You called timeout when you needed to and, and came together. And I said, if you can, if you can take a step back and take that perspective from and take away the outcome, but really look at the perspective of how you guys handled yourselves, you should be really darn proud of yourselves because I'm really proud of you. Uh, and I explained that one moment of frustration from my point of view. And I said, I get it, what it feels like when you start having all these thoughts. So coaches as well have to go through the same process of letting go and reframing and doing the same things that you do. Um, but I just wanted to reiterate so like 17 times today, how proud I was of them, of all of those things. And let's focus on those things and move forward. Because if you're able to let go, if you're able to battle through and you're able to do that when the circumstances are like that, it will be really easy for you in a month when it really counts. Yeah, that's huge. It's such a good lesson and it's, but it still sucks to go through. Mm-hmm. I don't want to, I want to talk about a little bit about our conversation that you and I had. Cause like right now it's, you're on that downward slope of the emotion of it. 
And last night, I feel like you were at the like 10 level frustration point and it was all directed at yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think what a lot of us coaches do is taking ownership is good and it's important. We have to do it, but sometimes it turns into guilt and shame and blame. So I think that's what really gets under our skin. Like you said, like I'm the mental coach. I should know how to do this. <laughs> like, right. Okay. Yes. And you do, but in the moment, sometimes it just moves too fast and it, so the avalanche comes without notice and there's nothing you can do at that time. So I think the coolest thing for me watching from the outside and listening to you talk through it all was seeing you come to that same realization that you tried to get the kids to come to. So you can talk a little bit more about like those expectations you put on yourself and how you worked through that, like really pissed off part <laughs> last night. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's very difficult sometimes as a coach, I think to not be tied to outcome. Right. So, mm-hmm. and you look at the performance and you look at the results and you think, and, and all of these things were going through my head. Like I need to change practice. I'm not doing enough mental training. I need to ramp up. I need to ramp up the pressure. I need to, I need to, I need to, but, but it's in that moment because you just lost, you're frustrated. You're very frustrated at yourself, right? Because I take full ownership of that kind of stuff. And so to be able to step to sleep on it, number one, I, I literally woke up. It was, it just happened to be a gorgeous day here in Michigan. It was like 68 degrees and sunny. It was just beautiful. And I'm like, I texted my girls and I said, guys, it's a new day. It's a beautiful day. And I'm grateful for you. And I'm thankful for you. And I love you. So I'm proud of you. So I just wanted to let them know, like, let's just start off the day. Like I'd made that choice. Right. So I think then in talking through it with you, I'm like, you know what, darn it. They were mentally tough yesterday. Maybe, maybe I was the one that was less mentally tough than they were because they actually handled themselves really, really well. And I wasn't able to see it in the moment. I, maybe a little bit on the way home, but I wasn't able to see it in the moment because you start second guessing sometimes the preparation and, and things that you're doing and, and is, are we ready and why, why, why? Um, but being able to take that perspective and really sit back and look how they actually performed again, removing yourself for in, from the untying yourself from the outcome and, and removing myself from the situation and looking at, okay, they made the bad throws. What happened after? Okay, they struck out. What happened after? Okay, they lost the first game. What happened after? In the middle of being down by so many runs, uh, they fought back uh, and they continued this and this and this and their culture. Those are the things that are important. So let me take a step back and review that in my head. Let me replay it in my head. And after walking through that, it's like, gosh darn it, they did such an awesome job. And we have been focusing so hard on confidence and working on the reframing and working on that kind of thing, like letting go. Um, We had several drills that were you know, doing that. And they, they implemented that. So, you know what, they did a great job and I needed to just take a step back sometimes. And you just got to let it play out and you got to really, really drive home the perspective and really kind of think about and reflect. And if you don't do that as a coach, then you're missing out on these opportunities for lessons learned. So true. And I've been there. I'm sure we've all been there. I told you my story of how I came back and I, cried in the shower because I was just so frustrated and I just wanted to hide it from my mm-hmm. then boyfriend like I can't see me he's gonna think I'm so silly but like that's how much we care I know and you know I try I try to keep calm for them and I went out one time uh it was about halfway through the second game and I just went out there and I said guys look 
Sometimes days like this happen and we're just going to chalk it up to a bad day. There's no rhyme or reason. There's no explanation. And we just have them sometimes, you know, I, I made a couple defensive switches just to do it, just to try something different, just to try to stop the bleeding. And I said, let's just get out of this. We're fine. Like, but let's just chalk it up to, it was a bad day. So I want you guys to go home and forget about it. Wake up and tomorrow's a new day and come ready to practice. So I try to set that tone even before we left the field that, you know, sometimes we just have those days. And if you try to figure out why and try to justify why, and, and because I'm a logical person, I need, I need a, I need an explanation for everything. Just Alicia, that's why I kept talking. It's just a bad day. You know what? We will probably never have a day like this for the rest of the season, at least hopefully. Um, it may not happen again in two years. Who knows? But the point is, is that it happened and we just, it's how I react to it. It's just as important or if not more important is how they react. So if I stay calm and I don't flip out, they'll, they will also work through that a lot better and a lot easier on the field. Yeah. And this is the first time you, in our conversations about it, you've given yourself credit for that. And that's huge. Cause we've said before, like you coach with emotion and like you feel everything. So the fact that you stayed composed, I know you've been working on that. So that mm -hmm. is awesome. Virtual high five. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Wilma? Have you experienced this stuff before? Oh, definitely. I was just having flashbacks of like not sleeping at night and you sit and you toss and you turn. That's what I usually take into bed with me. And then I just toss and turn and you just wake up thinking of different plays and different situations and always, like Alicia said, trying to figure out okay, how did I not prepare them correctly? What do I got to adjust, make adjustments to, to try to help them be more prepared in the situations? And, you know, the game changes all the time and you, you try to think that you always have them prepared, but you, you know that something's always going to be weird that happens that unfolds that you just can't always prepare them for. And sometimes they step up to it and sometimes they don't. And like Alicia said, sometimes you just have bad days you know, and things go wrong. I mean, we played last week, Thursday, and we won, you know, easily 10 run to team came back and found ourselves losing in the second game down, I believe by three going into the top of the seventh inning when we were supposed to bat. And I have over the years learned to try to stay pretty darn calm and pretty positive. And you know, before we went up to bat, I said, okay, we know we can hit this pitcher. We've all been a little antsy. You know, what can we do in this one inning, you know, as a team, everybody included, you know, what can we do to make some minor adjustments to, to create, to go down fighting, you know, or go up fighting, however you want to think of it. And, you know, we scored four runs, we went up and we held them in the bottom of the seventh and we won. So, you know, that was a, a major victory for my kids. And we talked about it after the game, you know, what did we do in the seventh inning that we didn't do in the fourth and the fifth and the sixth inning? And yes, we know we're capable of doing these types of things, you know, so that was just a really good positive thing that came out of that game, you know, even though, yeah, the outcome was still a win and I really wouldn't have cared. I do think that a lot of times you can get a lot more learning out of losses than you do out of winning. Um, so, you know, I'm not outcome based as much as I used to be. Let's put it that way you know, um, but again, living the culture, like Alicia said, trying to do that. And we mentioned that before our seventh inning, you know, we said, Hey, are we going to be competitive? Are we going to, you know, make good decisions? You know, one of our words is discernment. How discerning are you guys when you're up to bat and things like that, you know? So it was easy to tie it into our culture. And, you know, I told them how proud I was of them of just fighting back, whether we ended up winning or not. 
you know, just the fact that we, a lot of kids made a lot of adjustments and they pulled together as a team to make that happen because, you know, one person couldn't win the game there. So that was good for us. That was last week, Thursday. Then Friday, we had a rain day. So I cashed in on that. Um, we went through our whys and our part of our committed, you know, kind of tied up the committed portion of it. And that went really well. The kids you know, um, went through their goal setting ladder for their personal goals and things like that. And I made them, I cut out some stock colored Y's, the letter Y, and then I brought magazines and we had little arts and crafts and they had to cut out words that were representative of their Y's and what they had come up with on their papers. And they, they really liked it. They had to hang them in spots that were visible to them every day. Um, so that was very good day for us as well we had the weekend off also and um, then we had games last night um, and we ended up winning both of those games as well but you know um, our kids can be either on or off sometimes and you know they're inning by inning we 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 seem to have slow starts sometimes and you know we have a lot of conversations about you know making adjustments and adjusting within the game, within the inning, within the at-bat and things like that. So, you know, we, we kind of are, are learning to grow and see what our team can do. So, you know, for me, it's been a really good week. That's an excellent week. That's awesome. Yeah. I love comebacks. <laughs> I mean, yeah. who doesn't? It's like an underdog regardless of who the team is when people come back. Um, but what do you think really – helped turn that perspective for them, helped turn their attitudes and their focus and their mindset in the middle of a game. Like that's hard yeah. to do. Yeah. And really towards the end of a game, you know, mm. you're in the seventh inning of your second game. So you're really in the 14th inning, you know, and um, you know, for me, I, I looked back cause I had a phone conversation with my daughter who's coaching at a college and they had just come off of some losses. And she said, you know, and it, one of the, their competition was like, um, a big school in a big conference, you know, and she said, you know, basically they were losing four to nothing in the first inning and the, and the coach quit coaching. She said, he just shut down. He just quit coaching. He didn't talk to the girls. He didn't um, encourage them. He didn't, you know, try to make ways for them to feel better about what was happening, regardless of winning or losing. And, you know, I mean, so that was after our comeback, but still, you know, I said, wow, you know, I had a totally different night than you did because I really, really tried to stay positive with the kids. Even when we were getting out, you know, we were hitting hard balls at people and hitting fly balls and they were making some great catches. And, you know, I was just like, Hey, you know, guys keep at it, keep at it. You know, the old saying, you know, hit the ball hard. Eventually they're going to find spots and they're going to find holes, you know? So I think it was a fact that the kids never really got down on themselves. I never heard anybody, you know, the support was there. Like Alicia said, the kids were up. They were up for the challenge. They were upbeat. They were willing to support each other. They all understood that they were each kind of a piece of the puzzle. You know, I said, Hey, we're down by three. I don't need anybody swinging for the fence, you know, um, because a home run will not win this game. So, you know, I think it was just staying positive and really trying to make them focus everybody focus on what their, you know, their connection or what their job was to do to make the bigger picture. I think it's really interesting to hear you talk about your approach to games and thinking about uh, the coach that your daughter works for. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if it has to do with the expectations we have as coaches. Cause I think 
if I'm right, Alicia, you can correct me, but I feel like the turning point for you was when you realized you were focusing on the expectations of them being like perfectly mentally tough <laughs> mm -hmm. as opposed to like, then you kind of missed that. Like, no, they were being mentally tough, just not in the way that you expected. Um, I wonder if that has to do with the expectations. Like if a coach is all about like, okay, I make sure that your fundamentals are perfect and I do this every day and we focus on that. And in the game, I expect you to do this, this, this against this opponent. I expect that. And then if it doesn't, Happen. pan out in inning one <laughs> it's yeah. hard not to feel defeated <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah yeah but I I can't imagine that you ever let the kids see that I mean I can never imagine my approach being that way you know I mean we all get frustrated like Alicia said you know and sometimes it all boils up but I mean how can you give up on your team especially in the first inning you know and you know there are some other episodes with him that you know he you know, was throwing bats and doing so, so that, you know, that behavior doesn't even belong in, in the arena. Let's put it that way, you mm -hmm. know? Um, but it was just a refresher for me to be like, wow, you know, I just can't imagine that, that atmosphere and how you ever expect anything good to come out of that type of atmosphere. Mm -hmm. And not that I would ever condone <laughs> coaches behaving that way, but I, I want to give you credit for like getting to this point in your career, because not that I don't think your personality would ever throw something or like be the clipboard breaker, right, <laughs> that right. kind of thing. But still like that frustration is human and mm -hmm. you've worked to notice that when you're getting frustrated and then figure out what, okay, what's the real deal? What's really like getting my attention and then you address it. So instead of going inward and getting so pissed off <laughs> you right. make a fool of yourself yeah you or getting or just plain getting stuck and feeling like okay there's nothing else i can do for this game we gotta chalk yeah. it up right alicia right. like what yeah. if the only goal you gave yourself in that moment was just all right just keep coaching and that's that's what i had resigned myself to like like i knew that there's nothing i felt like i couldn't stop the errors right you as a coach you can't stop the errors but what you can do is control how you react to them and, and continue to coach them. Cause at one point, one of my players came up to me in frustration and said, I don't know what else to do. And I said, there's nothing else we can do, but keep fighting. And she nodded her head and said, you're right. You know, yeah. so just in that, in that encouragement in, in, in encouraging through times like that is, is just, it's the best thing you can do because getting upset is only going to make it worse. And that doesn't help build the mentally tough player, right? So right. you're not coddling, you're just supporting and, and trying to be positive and calm, right? right. Because yeah. you, you, and you can have those conversations with your players. And I said, and I said, I don't care what's going on. The only thing I care about is that you maintain your culture and you don't quit and you keep fighting. Right. And if, and if you do those things, and, and actually, if you just maintain your culture, if you live your culture, these things happen, but if you continue to fight and not quit, then regardless of outcome, we've won the game. So that's really important to me. And I told them that I told them that in between games, it's important to me. So, um, continue to keep working and it will be okay. And they, they remember, you know what I mean? If you would have a freak out moment, I mean, I can't imagine that these kids that play on where my daughter's at, like, you know, the next time that things start going South, they're just going to anticipate and get anxious I would think absolutely you know about what his approach and his outcome is going to be and his outburst is going to be and 
you know, how is that going to affect them playing in the next big tough game or in the next close game? You know, it's just, it just doesn't, it doesn't paint a very pretty picture and it doesn't paint a very happy atmosphere, you know, going forward. So you have to remember that they're going to remember how you respond, you know, and we're not perfect, you know, but I agree, you know, like Alicia, you apologize to that girl. That's awesome because, you know, she's just, she's going to remember that more than anything. And she's going to understand where you are coming from, you know, and there's just a lot of coaches that I think, you know, that's beneath them, basically, you know, they have this, I don't know where they get the, to draw their line in the sand, but it's like beneath them to ever, you know, take responsibility for something that happened, you know, whether it's lack of preparation on their part or, or just a decision that a coach made, you know, to not take responsibility for it or to not ask input from the kids. Just, it just makes that um, barrier between coach and player even bigger. Absolutely. And I think it goes to what we were talking about last week, right? Relationship building and building that trust. So part of the conversation we had, not only yesterday, but today was, yes, we had a bad day. Yes, you fought. Yes, all these awesome things happen. But our throws and catches do need to get better. And that is something that they know. We, we, do, we do it every day. Uh, I said, and your focus needs to be a little bit better. So we will continue to work in practice to make sure that you're getting everything you need. With that said, guys, what do you guys feel like you need in order to be more prepared? Is there anything else you need? Is there anything less you need? Is there anything more you need? Do you need something else from us in practice in order to feel comfortable? Yeah. And they all said, no coach, we know, we know what we need to do. We feel like we're getting the reps. We're, we're, we're doing the things we need to do. We just need to focus a little bit more just a little bit more. And if you increase that focus to the point where you're going, you're going to be going from good to great or great to awesome. That's those steps that they make in practice. And after games like that, where that level of focus is just, just enough, uh, a little bit higher in order to, instead of just missing, they're dead on. Right. Yep. Yeah. We had kind of a tough practice today, actually. Um, we were doing a bunch of situations and I was pitching and things and my kids are very young and quiet and just not, you know, sometimes not as competitive as I would like to them to be even in practice, you know, and we had the same thing. We, we could, I, you know, after practice, I pointed out five positives that we had that day. And then I said, you know, the big negative for me today is we couldn't catch and throw. We weren't throwing mm-hmm. the ball in the right spots. We, you know, either we'd make a good throw and uh, the receiving end would drop it or we'd, you know, make a bad throw. And, you know, I mean, we have some tough components coming up in our competition. And, you know, I said, hey, if we do that, we're definitely going to find ourselves behind, you know. So, yeah, it's 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 still you still want to try to improve the fundamental things. But there's a I don't know, I think a good approach and a bad approach to doing that. Right. And those are the things that we we harp on all the time, throws and catches. And we've talked about this before. Right. The consequences for not hitting the player in the chest uh, sometimes is not necessarily getting the lead out, but it will affect the second out to turn double play. Don't get me wrong. Yesterday, they made some amazing plays. They, they turned a double play in the infield. They, I had my center fielder run almost all the way over to my right fielder to catch a fly ball and threw the girl out at first base from almost the fence. Like they made some great plays too. Yeah. So we also tried to hurt them, but you know, they recognize in a game like that, the difference between, which is what we talk about daily throws and catches and the details matter. 
The details matter how your feet are on the base, how you stretch. If you don't stretch, if you hit the player in the knees and the tag, if you hit the player in the chest and the force, those little things matter. And those are the things that we harp on. So they recognize that and they all say, they all talk the same language. And I think those are the types of things that you still have to continue to work on and put them under pressure on and, and do. So I was just happy to hear that they, they felt like they had everything they needed so yeah. we will continue to do what we're doing and, and move forward. Right. Well, that's good. It's cool the way you guys approach this. I was thinking again of the coaches <laughs> who did not approach it this way. I've got plenty of examples in my head. Mm. I think when coaches get to that level of frustration or that level of lack of control, we'll put it nicely. I think really what you're doing is you're making it about yourself. Um, intentionally, most likely, but still it's, it's about your insecurities. Like deep down, it's because you feel they should know how to do this because you thought you taught them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> do you guys feel that I feel like both of those examples of you guys coming back and talking to them after the games, during the game at practice, you really flipped it just back on them. Like you simplified and said, Hey, what do you need? I think that takes it out of like the, what am I doing wrong as a coach? What could I do better? What am I missing? And then just flip it to them and ask. It's so much simpler. <laughs> right. And you might, you know, you might really get some good input. I mean, yes. again, if they have to take ownership and they have to look at what they're doing versus what we're doing, you know, just like the first, one of the first days I had my kids make the lineup they thought we had a game canceled and I said hey you guys make the lineup that you think we had today you know oh my gosh they were so thrown by that and it was so difficult and you know sometimes for them to just um put on different shoes a little bit too I think is a good thing you know where they're they sometimes have to be actor pretend to understand what we're going through sometimes too yeah that's so true how many times <laughs> when you finally ask them or had no other ideas of your own did it come back like oh that's what you needed yeah <laughs> should have asked yeah. you two months ago <laughs> i know conversation is good yeah i agree with Wilma. it's it's you'd be surprised what kind of input you get because they, you know especially with the older kids i think at our level especially they know um and as you get to know them you know what those players need i i had a shortstop who played for me a few years ago was now in college who when things weren't going well she just needed reps you know, all she needed was to stay after practice for 10 to 15 minutes and just get reps in, in an environment where she, you know, wasn't surrounded by her teammates and maybe had one or two of her friends catching, you know, at the bases. And all she needed was just some reps and, and to breathe. And, and that's all she needed. So those are the types of things that you can, when you start to get to know your players individually as well, but they always tell you, at least my players do, will always tell me what they feel like they need and don't need when you ask. And and they have some great ideas and great input sometimes. All right, guys. I want to close with some tips for coaches now based on these conversations we've been having. So what are some tips for coaches when you find yourself in that headspace of like making it about you, having that like self-doubt and like frustration? What are some ways that help you simplify? and just get back to focusing on coaching? Well, for me, I try to continually put myself in their shoes. And I'm always trying to understand 
that nobody goes out there and tries to have a bad day. Nobody goes out there and tries to make errors. Nobody goes out there and tries to strike out. You know, it's set up as a game of failure, and you have to remember that, you know, they're still kids, and they're still learning, and they put a lot of pressure on themselves. And if you add to that pressure, you're just going to complicate the outcome even more. And, you know, we had one conversation I drew on a whiteboard, okay, you know, what's the worst case, worst case scenario, you go to up to bat, what's the worst case scenario, you know, finally they arrived at oh, striking out, well, striking out looking, okay, and then, you know, I said, some of you guys, you know, let's look at the best case scenarios you get on base, well, there's a lot of stuff in between there, and the more pressure you guys put on yourselves, you're, you're always pushing the dial back towards the worst case scenario, you know, so, and that's, I kind of try to keep that in mind, is that if I keep putting more pressure on them, you know, to perform when it, you know, I got to remember they're kids, they're trying, and they're human, you know. So if we were all perfect, why we were, shouldn't even be playing. Yeah, that's a, that's a really great point and perspective. And I think, I think for me, I, I sometimes, I did also want to bring up kind of something that we did on one of our rain days, because I think it's relevant um, we went through as, you know, we're walking through the courses and we're doing some of the games, right? So we had a rain day and we had um, a full hour in the gym with 10 kids. Like, we're like, what are we going to do? So instead of actually practicing, we did some of the games uh, from, from the courses and created a competition. And I, we did like three or four of them and we created teams and we're keeping track of all the points and, and the amount of competition that comes out in those kids when they are just freely doing something in the gym and it's not tied to a game and you remove all those pressures and it's just fun is really kind of cool to sit back and watch. And, and I think if, from my perspective, like Wilma said, they are just kids. Like they have so much fun when they're doing that, jumping up and down and celebrating competitive as ever. They want to do so well. They want to do well. They want to do well for their teammates. They want to do well for you. And when you can kind of take a step back and remember that number one and number two, again, like Wilma said, they are just kids. But I think for me personally, having, having Mel and having, you know, Wilma in this mastermind to be able to just talk through some things with people who are like-minded like you and have the understanding of what you've been going through, it really helps you with your perspective. It helps change your perspective. And, and I think it's so important to any coach, because at times we feel alone and isolated. And when you're so close to it, you just can't, you can't always see it. And just talking through something like the situation with other coaches is so helpful and beneficial to help, to help change that perspective for you. I agree. It's been awesome to come in, you know, talk about the positive things and, and work through some of the more complicated things. I totally agree that that just helps put things in perspective so much my kids we played an hour of wiffle ball oh my gosh I saw some of my kids who are very timid on the softball field were just crazy competitive in wiffle ball you know so we we had that conversation afterwards too I'm like why do I see a little bit of different personality here you know and one of the girls was like well my mom's not here you know I mean there's just things like that that ring true and you just go oh that makes me sad you know because I don't want you to feel like you can't play hard and feel like you're going to be in trouble if you mess up, you know, that's just not a good way to play, you know? So when they were basically on the playground, so to speak, you know, they were free to just be crazy and have fun and, you know, take some of that pressure off. 
And that has nothing to do with lowering expectations or stopping coaching and teaching. Because look at all the teaching points you guys just came up with, mm-hmm. with these quote-unquote silly games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, best part, all of us coaches played. So the kids yes. get a big kick out of that too because they see, you know, hey, I had a couple pop-ups. You know, and uh, <laughs> the other guys were very competitive and, you know, so it was very fun for them just to part to participate with us together. Mm-hmm. And hey, we might not be kids, but we're young <laughs> at heart, too. We like That's to right. play and compete. <laughs> exactly. And we are going to leave it there for today. So let's go on to our coaching challenge. The challenge is, are you making it about yourself? It's a tough topic and it has to be said. Most, if not all, coaches get into this gig to help others. That's all we care about. We'll do anything in our power to help our players succeed. But when our efforts aren't panning out, we take it hard. We blame ourselves. We rack our brains to figure out where we went wrong. We take the stress home with us, sometimes even losing sleep over it. In that moment when you're beating yourself up, you're actually making it about you. You're worried you're not doing enough for your team, which reflects on your own self-worth. That's when coaching starts to feel heavy. And the only person who can take that weight off your shoulders is you. You don't have to do it alone though. Having a support system of coaches who get you can help you out of that rut even faster. They can give you the perspective you're simply too close to see. Instead of spending your nights and days overthinking and stressing about what to do next, use the power of your community to bounce back more quickly. That's what we offer in our mastermind program and it starts with learning the dream team blueprint. To grab it for yourself and learn more about our program, simply head to mentalsweetspot.com. That is it for today. So we'll see you back here next week for another installment of Masterminding Your Way to Success. Have a good one.